Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Point Conversion Monday pregame show. Here we are, week 11. My name is Kyle Senra. I'm one of your co-hosts. Dan isn't here uh, with us in spirit, um, and uh, hopefully we'll see him back uh, next week, I think. I think he should be back next Monday. In fact, I think he should be back for uh, his uh, normal B-League Pick'em Friday episode this Friday. So, uh, of course, all, all that's available on the Going for Two Live network. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page, Going for Two Live. Uh, search that up on YouTube, and you'll find us there. Uh, available on Twitch, Facebook as well. Uh, if you're on Twitter and watching uh, the video, uh, we can't see your Twitter comments. So if you do want to interact with us, I encourage you to head over to one of those other platforms and do so. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, we are here. And uh, we're going to talk about the 49ers and Cardinals a little later, an NFC West matchup. And as I was going to say, let's go out West to Doc. Really, his team is out West. I don't know if he really wants to associate with it. He's out East, hey, technically. They, but, they uh, won They won this week. So. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Ride, ride proud. Raiders proud, right? But uh, Dr. James Freddy, how are you doing, Doc? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks, Kyle. It's good to see everybody on the Monday before Thanksgiving. Um and uh, yes, B-League, you are missed, uh, but here in spirit for sure. And we are, of course, of course, brought to you by the Going for Two Network. And if at any point uh, you guys out there, this this uh, video, this stream helps you at any point, then give us a like, um, subscribe. A lot of great shows, seven days a week, right, Kyle? There's a show every single day on the Going for Two Network, all your fantasy uh, sports needs covered there and of course we're open for your comments we're open for business it was another week of carnage in the nfl which i'm excited to get into not so much excited for the injuries but excited to help people uh hopefully keep their fantasy lineup strong as we're coming down the stretch and heading towards the playoffs and and uh keep those uh fantasy ships pointed towards title town hopefully yes and um, you know we've got uh, some guests coming in through the chat uh gator jay's here uh, the big boss, Jeff, saying what's up, gentlemen and lady, and that lady is Gladys, <laughs> saying hello for those who can read it. Uh, this will be a fun game to play today. Uh, oh, there's more messages. It says hello, heart. W we do yeah, the we WTF do something. WTF gentlemen, maybe I don't know. <laughs> All right, we got. Oh, okay, she, yeah, she didn't like uh, Jeff's comment there. Uh, he corrected himself and said, "And lady," but yes, and Gladys, lady. he got there. He got Gladys there. is here. Gonna be, uh, I guess, talking sparsely through the episode. <laughs> I guess I could talk and just share some news real quick. It looks like Kyler Murray is inactive. Uh, we we're going to touch on the Monday night player injuries later. So, Doc, later on, we'll talk about like the, the consequence of of Murray, like what we can expect for him. But for now, it looks as though he is inactive for tonight. So. Um, going to be uh, Colt McCoy getting the, the start again for the Cardinals. Uh, All right. So, yeah. Should be exciting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I suppose, uh, Doc, if you want to rant about the Raiders beating the Broncos, you, you can feel free. We could also talk, talk about uh, the, all those injuries, those pesky injuries, as you mentioned. I, I, I want to give credit to uh, the big Pulaski, uh, Zach Pulaski. I was watching the Sunday show. And I was just relaxing before uh, while while uh, Gerson was giving his DFS um, his his deal um, going into all that detail that we love. And um, they were talking about Russell Wilson, and um, somebody called him Mister Unlimited. 
And Zach said, I have to interject there. He's like, Mr. Unlimited. I think if anything, he's Mr. Very Limited. And for whatever reason, like his delivery was perfect. And I spit my coffee out all over my computer. So the computer's okay, but no thanks to Zach for making me uh, do a spit take with my morning coffee. So thank you for that. The computer's better than Russell Wilson. Yeah, the Raiders beat Mr. Mr. Limited. um, But, you know, the Raiders haven't been doing much but beating themselves this year. So I'll take it. What does that mean for D who I think it's company. I assume uh, that means Hopkins with with Murray being out. Everybody's everybody's in a hurry today. They they really want to get to the, they really want to get to the Monday night stuff. They want to get to the injuries. Jeff's running, running red lights so he can interact with the show, which we appreciate the commitment. Um, (laughs) Everybody, everybody wants to get questions out. So yeah, D hop, we're still waiting on official word on him and he was trending in in the right direction. So it looked like things were looking good for him. Um, unless he has a setback during warmups or something, my expectation is he's going to play, but we'll get confirmation of that. As soon as we do, we will pass it along. And he is active. He is officially active. So there you Hopkins go. Is, is active. Hopkins is active. So I would say expect what you would expect from, from D hop. He's going to be the number one um, receiving option in the offense. And they're missing Ertz. Marquise Brown isn't back. And okay, so uh, Brown is still inactive. They haven't activated him off IR yet. Right. So okay. they're hopeful yeah. for next week. We'll see. Um, but that's I'd that's imagine yeah, Hop, like you said, Hopkins lead should lead the team <clears throat> in targets pretty easily. Uh, I'd imagine Rondale Moore is probably next there. But yeah, we can we can get to the Monday night game in a bit. Yeah. Um, so funny enough, uh wait, was the game in Chicago? No, it was in Atlanta. Uh, so it was away from Soldier Field, but Justin Field as a good so, uh, shol- soldier. Injured his shoulder. I think I said that properly. I'm sorry for the confusion there, but we can start with Justin Fields if you want, Doc. Yeah, so this one was a little uh, upsetting. Uh, I mean, Justin Fields has been like the quarterback one setting the fantasy world on fire. Um, And he injured his non-throwing shoulder. So the good news is, is that it's his non-throwing shoulder that he injured. Um, and they're still running tests on it and getting an MRI today. This is not too dissimilar potentially from what happened with Baker Mayfield last year obviously much different skill set but we saw that baker mayfield was able to eventually come back and play through the injury um so as long as there's not too much damage to the shoulder it's not something that would hinder him the same way it would hurt him if it was his throwing <coughs> shoulder so we're just gonna have to wait and see what they actually come up with but there's a few things that could be involved there but since it's his non-throwing shoulder much higher percentage that they're going to be able to brace it up tape it up numb it up and do whatever they need to to get him out there. The reason that it's, it's germane for our purposes is, and the question that I would ask you guys, is do you think with an injured shoulder he runs less as it, he's been getting a lot of his fantasy points because he is the ultimate Konami code quarterback, um, getting all those rushing yards, setting records, scoring rushing touchdowns. He may be less apt to do that if his shoulder's bothering him and he's worried about getting re-injured. Yeah, I suppose you'd have to probably take him off the, the top five pedestal, and he's probably still probably tough to say he's outside the top 12, but maybe he's instead of having him as a, a top five option, you have him more as a you know quarterback eight to 12 kind of thing in that range. I, I'd imagine yeah. that's maybe more the, the weekly ranking reflection, I suppose. And how did, how did you get there? Did you kind of take him as, all right, I'm going to take his passing stats and we'll kind of keep that at face value, but I'm going to look at his rushing stats and I'm going to 
do what? Do some math there and say 50% of what his usual output would be? Or is this just kind of a gestalt as to what, you know, you're you're kind of running it through the, the Kyle Senra filter? And I think and that's more about the tiers, like where knowing mm-hmm. where, you know, where I've been kind of ranking him weekly. He's been anywhere kind of from QB4 to QB6, I think, in the last few weeks. Okay. So I think once you get outside that, again, it's your top six, top seven. I think that, that, you know, if he was within that tier now, I'd maybe drop him a tier so he'd be in that. That's what I was saying, back end to QB 12 range. Uh, yeah, to, to, yeah, something like 8 to 12. I uh, figured that's kind of usually I think that the high upside, like that's kind of been where I've been ranking Justin Herbert this year, who you know, seems not 100%. The weapons haven't been there 100%. So even with hit, when he's gotten healthier, the team hasn't necessarily gotten healthier around him. So he's not necessarily hitting his ceiling like some other guys. I don't think there are 11 quarterbacks you would start. I, I don't. I don't think there are seven quarterbacks you would start above Justin Fields, even with that hurt shoulder. I'm kind of His, running it. I'm running it through my yeah. head now. Who would you? Who would you start over him? Uh, well, I think. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jalen Hurts. I would start over him. Okay. Um, Josh Allen, maybe depending on the on the um, on the matchup, but he's been Josh Allen's been erratic. Erratic. Um, Justin Fields has had like at least an 85 percent passer rating for the last five. For his last five meetings, I mean, his passing has gotten better as his running has gotten better. Uh, I don't even think I'd, depending on the matchup, I might not even start Lamar over him, even depending on just now. Having said that, Chicago doesn't have an easy way, like the rest of their schedule is kind of brutal. So, on that end, maybe, but I can't think of five. I can't think of five that I would start well, over him. I, I think I'd easily start Mahomes every week. Well, Mahomes is a given. Mahomes is a given on anything. Mahomes is a given. Well, I think Doc wants the, wants the full list, so that's why I'm I'm going through oh. every name. Uh, and uh, Jeff brought up a name I was going to mention as well, Burrow. I think. Uh, and this, nah, we'll, we'll, I don't know that we'll, Burrow. We'll talk cases about back, maybe. And I think, and that was kind of maybe where I was thinking of. We'll get to that a little bit later on, on the expectation. Is is Chase going to be back before Fields is fully healthy? Um, and again, Herbert, I think is more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I think I would probably put Fields in the range where I'd start Herbert, and that would that would to me be dependent on matchups. I might go Fields some weeks, Herbert other weeks, depending on on which defense. But I think for for like the last few weeks, it's been clearly Fields over Herbert, just because Herbert again this year hasn't hit the ceiling we've expected of him. And it's his seasons. weapons too. Like if Herbert doesn't have Keenan Allen, I'm not starting him over Fields. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So it looks like he's still you know kind of top five, six, seven. Uh, Justin Fields, even even with you know the injury and kind of decreased production. Now the one name that might be really gross is Geno Smith, just because he's been a top ten quarterback all year. Yeah, yeah, I don't think against all odds. Um, okay, that's true, Uh, Jeff. (coughs) Savage P Ryan, that was the answer. (laughs) Washington had something with him, and they 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 gave up too quickly. Whatever. So I think you you make a good point, Gladys. Of yeah, we clearly couldn't get to ten names. I think we struggled to even get to eight names. So um, I guess been, nine if you count Geno Smith. But yeah, top, this year's top been so weird. Seven, I mean, so. for like quarterbacks, it's been weird for the whole for the whole for I mean, the whole the, league. I, I just think it has. You know, like Josh Allen. You last yesterday, you could easily say Brissett outplayed Allen. Brissett had 300 yards and three touchdowns. Allen didn't have like a throw to digs until like the end of the first half or something like that, the end of the first quarter. 
He's, he's I think it might have been first. I think it was that second quarter touchdown he threw to yeah. Diggs. That was his I first mean, target. Yeah. There, the the one the one dependable is Patrick Mahomes. He's been the one steady, as far as I can tell. Yep, I would agree with that. I think I looked after and this maybe week's... maybe Jalen Hurts too from from a fantasy yeah. perspective. Right, and Tua, if he's not you know concussed. Yeah, ah, that's I true. Mean, that's the one name. Like injury might... wise, I would take some of those guys out. Maybe the only two that have really been consistent all year have been Jalen Hurts yeah. and, and Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, I would think of. Just sorry, one last name I could think of I might start over Fields is Dak Prescott. Oof, injury. But yeah, yeah, I would I would be okay with that. I mean, I think they're both really good options. But yeah, he's one name that we didn't mention that I think you can fit him in there with yeah. those other guys yeah. we mentioned. He's they had he had a really good game last Sunday, and it looks like the thumb injury that's in the past. Like he's back to his old self. But but all to say like even in a single quarterback league, you're probably not going to bench Justin Fields unless you've yeah. got a, an yeah. incredibly deep quarterback room. And I mean, considering how late he went, you might have a Josh Allen with a Justin Fields. So like the decision Gladys is talking about, that might be something someone does grapple with every week. But if, if you're not deciding between those elite options, you know, you're not going to play Daniel Jones over Fields or Marcus Mariota over Fields. And see, the weird thing is before yesterday, you may have played Daniel Jones depending on the matchup over Justin Fields because Jones was getting running, not as much as Fields, but depending on his matchup, it would have been an easy kind, not an easy, but it would have been a discussion that you're not going to have now. You know, it's just, this has been just an erratic year. Gladys is only one fantasy analyst I could think of that's going (laughs) to thought Daniel Jones over Justin Fields. And that's me, the big league. Well, I'm early in the season. I think we probably would have started Daniel Jones over Fields. Like you know, you know, yeah. think of week yeah, two, week four, three, five when... weeks. It was yeah, not, it was not looking no good way. for that whole Bears offense. Once Justin Fields started ripping off hundred yard games, then I think it was yeah. pretty easy to go with him. Yeah. We do have a question here from Peter. Yes. Uh, so Jimenez. Hi Peter. Hi Peter. Well, I might be pronounced Jimenez to be honest, but I'm just going to pronounce him PJ. Is that okay with you? <laughs> <laughs> call him peter but that's fine it's, it doesn't matter it's his name so i guess i suppose ask him but okay. uh um yeah let us know the name game peter but uh <laughs> what do you think regarding uh, your story regarding this trade so sanders and higgins for tyree kill non-ppr hmm interesting because i think hill getting so like so dependent on yards and less i mean catches as well obviously he's getting all that production but he is like he's producing so many yards that he would be the type of receiver that you don't necessarily nix as much in the rankings because it's non-ppr what do you guys think it's interesting um knowing you're trading for tyreek right after his bye week so you don't have to deal with that I think it's a good trade. Depending uh, on, depending like on trade. your needs. I think it's especially if Chase comes back. If Chase comes back, I think it's a really good trade. Because Higgins goes back to Y W two and Hill's clearly W one in that. It's a non PPR. The only thing that worries me is it's a non PPR. So you're counting on he has like the yards, but he, the touchdowns have been going Waddle's way. But yeah. Sanders isn't Higgins aren't helping you in that. So yeah, I think it's a great trade. Do it, PJ. Yeah, because Sanders hasn't been necessarily hitting the touchdowns recently no. either. And if, yeah, if he yeah, catches passes, that's not helping as much as it would because it's not PPR. So, yeah. I think it's like fair. A, I think it's I like fair. It. Tyreek's the kind of player that even if it's – even if, let's say, the other side is more value, it's the kind of player you're willing to overpay for, right? Like that's yeah, a, that's a kind the, of a – I want the whole side of that, of that trade. I want the best player. 
All right. So it looks like Jamie also chiming in the Cleveland connoisseur, as Dan would like to call him. Uh, he likes that trade as well. So uh, one more shoulder injury just to, to deal with. The player that has returned, Doc, so this probably should be quick, but DeAndre Swift. Uh, doesn't Best. seem like he's aggravated anything, but I don't know. What, what do we know about Swift? I think he's aggravated a lot of fantasy owners. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's that. He did still score a touchdown this week. He did. So this is the thing. Garbage like, time. It's been, you know, he was out weeks four, five, six, and seven. The bye was in there. And, you know, when he came back, it was like, let's watch his touches. Let's see if he builds up from where he was. Because that's what they've been saying. You know, they said it in week eight. They said it in week nine. They said in week <laughs> ten, we're going to build him up. We're going to build him up. Let's see how that's gone. So he got ten touches in week eight. He got five touches in week nine. He got seven touches in week 10 and he got eight touches in week 11. And that seems pretty linear to me. And that's not full value. He has been helping people out in PPR leagues because he's been getting catches. He's been scoring some touchdowns, which is something. So he's not giving you a complete zero. But the thing with DeAndre Swift is going into, you know, this year, last year was all about his potential. It was the potential to be this monster PPR machine. And, it just hasn't been there. So, you know, every week it becomes more and more likely that this is all you're going to get from him. And he could get re-injured at any point. The Lions, they're four and six now, right? Yeah. They're in the playoff hunt, baby. With, yeah, so they're still alive. But at some point that could go sideways and the they could opt to shut him down because, you know, he's still hurting. Clearly he's still hurting. And, you know, whether it's because he's got ligament tears or other injuries, um, you know, that are, that are just lingering and aren't going to be fully healed until the off season, which is very common with these type of shoulder injuries, like AC joint injuries, things like that. Um, they could shut him down at some point. And that's not what you want as a fantasy team going into down the stretch and into the playoffs where it's like, you get to week 15. Now the lions are, you know, <laughs> six and 10 or whatever, or, you know, six and nine and they're out of it. And it's like, okay, he's done. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Jamal Williams has been doing pretty well in his absence and even Justin Jackson is out touching him. So I think this is it for him. Like, I think this is all you're going to get and it's not nothing, but it's not the Deandre Swift that people thought that they were getting, you know, going into the year. So you have to kind of make that judgment of its production versus potential. And now it's at this time of the year, especially you need production. I was listening to, I, I think it was a podcast and they were talking, I guess it was people who had watched, um, uh, HBO Hard Knocks that I, I'm assuming the Lions were on this year. And yeah, they were saying sure. that Deuce Staley, who I didn't know was their running backs coach, that Deuce Staley specifically was on DeAndre Swift about his running style. Like he was mm -hmm. like, they were more enamored with um, Williams because Staley tends to dance around too much. They were saying like he he doesn't wait for the gap. He He, he tends to do what somebody else was doing yesterday that I was watching. But yeah, so uh, their impression was that it wasn't, it's not injury related as much as it is. They feel that he isn't the running back that they thought he was going to he's be. He's not getting it. Like he's yeah. not, he doesn't not have the vision. Him. It's not clicking right. for him. And the thing is he's still young. Like he's only been in the league a couple of years. Like all like prospect growth isn't linear. So this doesn't mean that he's never going to get it. Right. But it's not like he hit not the ground right. running, so to speak, and he still has some things to learn with the offense. It's not coming together for him, and that's going to limit his touches. That's going to limit his ability to produce. And I would argue that's not what you want 
as a team that yeah. is going yeah. towards, you know, trying to win a championship this year. If it's <laughs> dynasty, that's different. Obviously the potential is still there, but at a certain point you got to produce. Otherwise it's just, it's just potential. Like everybody's got potential to do lots of things, but what are you actually going to do? What can you actually do? And I think that's where we're at with him. And it's been a month now. So this is what we've seen. It's been pretty consistent. I think until we see otherwise, you have to assume that this is what you're going to get going forward. And it, and in this new reality, it seems like Jamal Williams has basically replaced Swift as a must start every week. If you were considering Swift a guy you jam in your lineup every week without thinking, you consider Williams that now, and now Swift is suddenly matchup dependent. I suppose his role as a pass catcher is probably something that the, yeah. it seems like the Lions like the most about him. As you were mentioning, Glass, it's not his running. So uh, I think we, we it seems like, well, I guess, before this for a three-game win streak, we'd almost think of it as almost every game. Anytime we think the Lions will be losing or behind. I guess they've been winning enough games lately that, okay, maybe that's not as, as common, but uh, where they're massive underdogs. This week against the Bills, for instance, probably the week you want to play Swift. If you really can't get it done this week against the Bills, that's what I think you can start benching Swift on, on an every week basis. I'd still consider him... This was actually a debate we had on the Full Press Fantasy Pod last week. I had Swift. I think we were like 12 spots difference. I still had him at like 19, whereas my co-host Brad had him down at running back 31 for the week. I think he bailed out my ranking just because of the touchdown. But it's just that idea of, you know, if you look at the volume, that's probably around where he's closer to his RB30 uh, based on his volume. But I think, again, I think I'd still give him a chance to start him this week. But uh, he's not an automatic must start, I don't think. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. And I think, you know, where you have him is kind of appropriate. Like, you know, he's an RB2. Like that, he's an RB2 with a chance to get a little bit more. But that's not what people were buying. Like they were buying him as an RB1, and he's not that. So you may not have a choice. You may not have a better option. And an RB2 is not nothing, but it's also not an RB1. So (laughs) there's that. Uh, And I guess we didn't have this player on the show sheet, Doc, but uh, Gator brought him up, uh, Jameson Williams. Yeah. Seems like he's going to be back at practice this week for the Lions. Yeah, so designated to return to practice. So um, he his 21-day window for evaluation is open, and they could activate him at any time. So he could be back just in time to make a real impact for the fantasy playoffs, not too dissimilar to what Amon Ross St. Brown did for the Lions last year. Um, so, you know, a lot of people know about Jameis Williams, but in your league, do your due diligence, check the waiver wire, make sure he's not just hanging out there, uh, and see if you can make a pickup because the, he could really he's a super talented guy and some people had him as the top rated wide receiver of the class before his injury and he could be back and he could be making some noise for a team that could be throwing a lot and really wants to get a good look at him hey doc would you drop cooper cup to pick up jamison williams i would give it some serious thought it could be just because we know that Cooper cup is going to, it really depends on what your kind of team structure is looking like. Like if you're 10 and one, you're already secured a buy and maybe Cooper cup comes back for championship week or something like that. That's a little different, but if you got to win and you know, you're, you're scrapping to make the playoffs or, or, you know, to, to, when you get into the playoffs, you're going to have to play in the first week. Um, I, I would give it some serious thought because we know Cooper cup's going to be out four to six weeks minimum, maybe longer, maybe eight okay. weeks. Maybe he's done for the year. Like there's a not, there's a very, there's a decent chance Cooper cup does not play again this year, even if he wants to, because the Rams aren't going anywhere. They're not, right. it's not like they need him to what, like, you know, finish, um, you know, with 
the eighth best, the eighth worst record instead of like the 12th worst record, you know, like it's, it's something where they could very easily say, Hey, you know what? You made it back. We're going to shut you down just the same. So okay. I would give it some serious consideration. You see, I don't think I would because there's no guarantee that Jamison Williams even plays like as much as they're activated and they think he'll be ready. He could still suffer an aggravation. There's a, I mean, there's a chance there's probably less of a chance, but there's still a chance that he also doesn't get see the field at all this year. So I would only be dropping cup if I was getting players that I'm, I'm putting in my lineup. I absolutely need this player to start this week. I'm not dropping Cooper cup for a stash player. I think I'd rather just stash cup on the off chance that he comes, because even if Williams plays, he's not going to give you the upside that Cooper cup had. Right. I mean, maybe unless, well, okay. unless, let's unless go, he's go, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, but I don't let's think do this. Do we think that they're going to shut down Matthew Stafford now? Cause didn't he go out with another like concussion, but not a concussion protocol. Uh, I think they're still evaluating him. They took him out. It turns out last I checked, he did not have a concussion when they evaluated him, but they held him out anyway. Last week or two weeks ago, he didn't have a concussion in the game. He actually showed up with concussion symptoms on Tuesday, and then he entered the protocol on Tuesday. So he could still enter the concussion protocol, and if he does, then most likely he's going to miss at least one week, maybe more, since it's a second concussion in like three weeks. Um, so there's there's some question marks there for sure. And again, the thing with the Rams is the Rams are going nowhere, nowhere. in a right. hurry. So all bets are off with them. You kind of treat them the same way you treat the Lions in the sense that all their really high-end, you know, expensive skill position players, they could opt to shut down at any time because Although, they're just not looking good. I would say personally, Stafford being there or not shouldn't affect the decision in my mind for Cup because Stafford has been awful this year and Cup's still been amazing. So to me, that says quarterback play isn't making a Cup. He'll, yeah, I agreed. think with the third string agreed. quarterback, he'll still be amazing. So agreed, and he's still going to be the there or not. The to me, I'd have to, I'd have to see that because Stafford's been bad, but he hasn't been bad with Cup. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the, like, would I trust? Would, would Cup be as good with Baker Mayfield? No, I, uh, I would say no. Baker Mayfield can't get the ball down I, the field. I think I think he would. I think Cup's yeah, just that see? good that any quarterback. I, mean, I think Cup is really good. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I just, just think that. Jared Goff isn't great and Cup's been amazing his whole career with Jared Goff. So I don't know. I, I think he is because yeah, I, I, cause yeah, Stafford was amazing last year and Cup had a fantastic season, but he's been on pace to do just as well this year with, with Stafford really struggling. So I wouldn't, I would not drop Cup to pick up Jamison Williams. I would, again, I'd be dropping Cup to pick up a player I'm starting this week. Otherwise I don't see the need to, I wouldn't just pick up a player just to have as a stash or a backup. I'm picking up because I think this player has enough upside to make my lineup this week here that I'm dropping cup. So that's how I would. I guess, it. Again, I think it depends on what you need. Like that's certainly a valid position, um, but it depends on where you're at and what you need. Um, you know, if you need somebody immediately, then that's totally valid in two weeks. You might be like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to roll a dice on Jamison Williams and hope he goes Amon Ross St. Brown. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be out anyway. That's different. And again, if you're looking forward to like week 15 or 16, where you're trying to win a title, that might not dropping cup might not be the move to make. Um, but there's, you know, context is important. Uh, Jamie's mentioning a uh, Donovan people's Jones, his first touchdown of the year. So proud. I played him in a, in a league or two. So yes. there you go. got some benefits. He's been doing uh, great. Even without the touchdowns, he's been doing really well for yeah. the last like five or six weeks. 
we'll see as Njoku gets reintegrated into the offense if it takes away targets, but it seems like Donovan Peoples Jones lock in to be the number two wide receiver on the team at the very least, at the very worst. So uh ta- speaking of the NFC North, uh so a couple uh in I said NFC. I meant AFC. Uh, talking Steelers, unfortunately, here, Gladys. Talking back to injuries. Uh, Jalen Warren suffered a hamstring injury. It seems like Kadarius Tony for the Chiefs also. Uh, yeah. Suddenly, their wide receiver core looking very thin. But uh, any played uh, them both. Yay uh, me. So, sorry, Gladys. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, uh, man, they yeah. must be desperate to play back a running back like Warren. But I cannot blame you for bl- playing Tony. I thought he was a great option this week. But uh, Doc, what can you say about both those hamstring injuries? What do we know? Yeah, it's like the NFL this week. It's like we were getting a group rate on uh, on hamstring injuries. We we got one back where we got Keenan Allen finally came back. Uh, you know, he he injured his uh, his hamstring sometime during the late Pleistocene era uh, when dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth, or it's so much it seemed like. And he finally came back and made it through the game, uh, which is more than we'd say with for Mike Williams, which we'll get there. Um, but it looked like Keenan Allen made it through the game unscathed. He, he actually produced a little bit. Um, so he looks like at least tentatively he's okay going forward. Um, but we're already seeing with uh, with uh, Kyler Murray and some other players this this year, hamstrings are tricky. And, they you know, they can be one or two weeks or they could be three or four weeks. And the one thing we didn't mention with Kyler Murray and the hamstring, I want to I want to make specific reference to this. Their bye week is week 13. So he's going to miss this week. There's probably a pretty good chance at this point they just hold him out through the bye. Would you guys agree on that? I don't think he wants to play, quite honestly. But yeah, well, I mean, whether he does or he doesn't, you know, it's like it almost seems silly if you. It's like one more week off and you get two weeks of rest. Other than they play next week, we push it. You re-injure yourself, and now maybe you're we sit you down for the rest of the year. I think it depends I mean, they're on already... if they win tonight and who they play next week because they play the Chargers next week. If they win, I mean, they're not technically out. You know, well, that's so what I, I mean. Say, they're yeah. a couple of losses. They're probably really teetering on close to elimination. So I'd imagine yeah. if Murray's able okay. to play next week, I think they'll come back in okay. just because that's valid. That's valid. That's I thing. think they win. a similar situation okay. happened last year, Doc, to, to, to your credit. I think he had gotten injured right before the bye week and they held him out. Colt McCoy, I think he'd done well. I think he went like three and one in that stretch and they were like sitting in the playoff. I mean, well, yeah, they had started the season like eight. No. So they had a ton of leg room to just say, okay, we could be really patient this year. Not the case. So I think the record context is a little okay. different, That's but really the team point. context does make sense that you're right. If, if the hamstring injury is serious enough, you'll, he'll probably definitely have to rest another week, but just cause I think yeah. it, it seemed like he was a legit game time decision where they really were not sure until about an hour ago that he wasn't going to play. So if he was that close enough to playing this week, if they six lose, days think, later, yeah. What the hell? But if they win tonight, I I don't know because okay. they're in that hunt. And Seattle's like, I don't know. I mean, I know Seattle's not a paper tiger, but Seattle it leads that division right now. So everyone, yeah. everyone below them has to be thinking, oh my god, we can, we can, we can get this. You know? Yeah, it's true. They're gonna fold. So uh, it's true. It's not. They're not exactly like the eighty-five Bears up there at the top, but but they are leading the division. They're leading the division. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve it. So Jalen Warren, real quick, you know, hamstring injury. Um, so it's like good news, good news, bad news. So it's like he was kind of getting a push because Najee Harris wasn't looking that good. Jalen Warren goes out. Uh, I think Benny Snow was inactive, uh, you know, for the game. So that left it in Najee Harris's hands, and he stepped up. You know, 20 carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns, four passes for 26 yards. Um, 
you know, he's still he's still there. And when pushed into action, he responded. I think he's probably still hurting from that Liz Frank from, you know, way back in, in the preseason. Uh, but at least for this week, he looked good. Um, so it's got to give you a question on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Do, do you think the bye week might have helped just that one week off a, a couple weeks? Or you think that was enough? Because it looks like Najee's been a little better the last couple weeks. Do you think I think it probably was... was enough short term. I think it probably helped him for this week. And okay. now we're back to, you know, back to whatever his baseline was. Um, Especially now that they kind of kinda... have Warren to spill him for touches either. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's kind of been, been gutting it out. How long can it last? I don't know. Maybe one week, Gator. Like that's that's kind of the thing. Like he he had a, a couple of weeks to rest, and he was able to work off of that. And now, you know, the wear and tear of just playing that game and getting all those touches, he may be back to square one with that. And it's gonna be what he has been up to this point, which is not the Najee Harris from last year. Um, which there are multiple factors that are going into that, but I think the injury is at least part of the equation. Um, and you know, we'll see going forward, but it, it has to be encouraging on some level because some people were saying, Oh, he's washed now. You know, they worked him too much last year. It's like, he's still what? 22, 23 years old. It's like, he's not washed. He might you know? be 25. I think he was an older rookie. Oh, sorry. 24, okay, 25, 25. But, but, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, he's ancient. He's 25. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think it's just, it's just an issue of, um, you know, playing in the NFL is hard and he got a lot of carries last year and he's, He's dealing with an injury. He's dealing with not great offensive line. It's a new offensive system. I think he's going to be fine long-term and short-term, but this year it's a lot to to deal with. And I don't think he's going to be this year, what he was last year, but it's got to be encouraging to at least see him be able to still do it at this point. Sorry. What Gators asking, like the dynasty, like he was going into the season basically as the RB two in dynasty. I don't think he's getting back to that, but you know, he's, he's not going to be outside the top 20 in terms of dynasty running backs. Like we're not completely burying him. Oh, wow. I mean, the thing with me is I evaluate dynasty a lot differently. As you guys know, being in a dynasty league with me, it's like, you know, the idea is like, Oh, I'm looking forward to what this player is going to be in 10 years. It's like, I look at this year, next year, and that's it. I don't look any further. So and from that perspective, I'm completely fine with Najee Harris. I don't think his value is going anywhere. You know what he's going to be doing in 2028. I don't know. You know <laughs> what I'm going to be doing in 2028. Exactly. I don't know. So yeah, we could pull uh, vault into the future there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think his dynasty value, as far as I'm concerned, is fine. You know, as far as the fluctuations of like, you know, dynasty trading and things like that, Doc, don't play that shit. So um, <laughs> that's really, it's really on you guys to, to kind of make your evaluation. It's like, would you rather have the guys ranked number four or number five? It's like, you're going to be able to produce for me this year, or next year. Yes. Hop on board. If not disappear. So that that's kind of where I'm at. So d this just this Najee discussion and talk about the injury and ticking time bomb kind of similar to Swift. So rest of the season, who would you rather have DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris? Both are past their bye week. So they sh if they're healthy, they should have the same number of games to play the rest of the season. I'm going to answer quickly and then I want you guys to expound on it. I would rather have Najee Harris and I'm not happy about either one of them. But the reason is he got pushed into the situation and he responded with production. We've been waiting for DeAndre Swift to have DeAndre Swift level production for about two and a half months now, and it hasn't happened yet, regardless of anything else. So until I see differently, my expectation is that's what I'm going to get from him. But if Najee Harris is out there and he's the only man standing, or maybe Benny Snell is stealing a couple of touches, I'll take my chances with him and an improving quarterback and a potentially gelling offense, and I'll take my chances. I'm not excited about either one of them per se, but I'll take my chances with Najee Harris, given the production that we saw this week. I know he can do it at least. 
Gladys, how about you? Najee Harris or DeAndre Swift? I would rather have uh, Najee Harris because uh, Jamal Williams, even at the beginning of the year, was was scoop was yep. vulturing right touchdowns from. He leads the NFL in, in rushing touchdowns. Rushing touchdowns, yeah. So which is amazing. Um, I know that there's no one right now that's doing that on Pittsburgh, and if they're you know George Pickens maybe, but I would rather have Najee. There's one I'm stat sorry. I want to look up. But I think the, the the one reason I might prefer Swift is just for for uh, sheer uh, volume of receptions because that's the one thing that um, that's really changed about uh, Harris's role this year. It seems like it's uh, just hasn't caught as many passes. Yeah, three catches this past week. Um... So he has twenty receptions. Swift is twenty on the season, but he's yeah, also like Harris has also played more games, so they're 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 close. It's not so it hasn't been a, a, that much larger a factor in the passing game compared to, to Najee. So it probably makes sense to go Najee for the volume, as you're saying, like the, the secure volume, knowing he's just going to be getting a lot more touches per game than Swift will be the rest of the season. So, and volume is important as, as specified in the book, right? Gladys injuries suck, but your fancy team doesn't have to, which uh, you can, uh, the doctor, uh, the doctor, well, I can say the doctor didn't order this, but you can order it from the doctor. In fact, uh, check out uh, at TFS doc, uh, on Twitter, the pin tweet should give uh, all the directions to find the book. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. That's a uh, little light reading for the holiday season. <laughs> oh, sorry. I should not just show up the, the comment for two seconds. Uh, Jamal is also top 10 in, in RB touches and top five in red zone touches. So, <laughs> you know, the, the touchdowns aren't necessarily fluky because he's getting all the work that should lead to touchdowns. So I, I believe... If I if I remember this correctly, I've got this actually here. I, sh- I don't have to remember. I can actually look it up. Um, yeah, Lions have run run the f- the football twenty three times inside the five yard line. That's the second most or sorry sorry third most rush attempts inside the five of the entire NFL. Only the Eagles and the 49ers, and probably not too surprised the Eagles how run heavy they are, especially in the red zone. And then the 49ers, also a notoriously run heavy team. Those are the only two teams that have more rushing attempts inside the five than the Lions. So it's kind of been that way the whole season. The team just seems to be getting to the red zone, and Williams seems to be the guy. Uh, yeah. So there was the other guy with the hamstring that you mentioned, Tony. Darius Tony. Yeah. And yeah, we need to touch on that because I think we're getting to the point where, um, you know, terms like injury prone and things like that, like, I don't know how much of a, like, you know, what people's beliefs are in that. I know Dr. Edwin Porras talks about you know, being injury prone and how there's not really such a thing. I've always kind of espoused like football is a dangerous sport. So when you play football, you're at risk for injury. And there's only a few guys that kind of are outliers where they're maybe more at risk for injury than kind of a standard NFL player who's putting himself in harm's way on every play. I think we're getting to the point where Kadarius Tony might be one of those guys because the potential is there. And every once in a while, he catches lightning in a bottle and he looks really, really good. Amazing, even like transcendent sometimes. But much more often, he's just not able to be on the field. He's not healthy, whether it's a knee, whether it's an ankle, whether now it's a hamstring. It's just another injury for this uber talented wideout. And I don't know if he's going to get to the point where you can really trust him to put together enough games during the year to really make a difference for you. He's kind of falling for me into one of those tiers where it's like, if I can get a short pocket of really good production from him, almost like that Frankenstein's monster, how do you get production from like guys for a short period of time and, 
and you know draft them accordingly to that, but not expecting any more. I think that's where Kadarius Tony is falling for me now. Um, just because sounds like a chapter in a great book I read. <laughs> we do talk about that exact thing. And this he's one of those guys. So I think he's one of those guys that's gonna be consistently overdrafted uh, because of the potential, but the production just isn't there. And this is another nail in the coffin for that. Like it's just until he can put together, he's still young and this could just be a blip on the radar and he ends up, you know, recovering from this and, and, you know, puts together a 2023 where he's healthy for the majority of the year. And that would change things. But until I see that, I can't take it for granted that he's going to be able to be available most weeks. And you want to limit your exposure to those type of players, um, you know, when you're drafting and when you're acquiring them, because you can't count on them. Um, so Gator mentioning Tony was so great in college, very few injuries. Now he just yeah. can't get out of his way. Yeah. Uh, different games, college football too, right? I mean, it's some of the things, you know, his, you know, especially his game, a lot of speed. You know, a lot of times he could probably outrun most players on the field he was playing against in college and avoid taking a lot of hits. He can't necessarily do that in the NFL. Like he's fast, but he's not necessarily so fast. That he's never going to get touched and bigger, faster, stronger men in the NFL. So that they, yeah, that's, exactly. that's part of the, the reality that people need. And sometimes it takes them years for their bodies to mature to the, the game. Um, and I guess, uh, Doc, you already started talking about Mike Williams, or at least we referenced him, so we could yeah. touch on with his ankle injury next. Yeah, week. we could we could hit that really really quick. So this is you know this was unfortunate. Um, and and the thing is, coming into this with Mike Williams, he reaggravated his high ankle sprain. They don't know how bad it is, but we know a high ankle sprain is a bad injury. So if he reaggravated it, then we know it's bad by definition. How long it's going to keep? How long it's going to keep him going, uh, or keep him out? You know, I think at least a week or two is a reasonable explanation. I don't know if he's necessarily back to square one, but it's a significant injury. Um, I think there just wasn't enough time for him to come back and completely heal. But here's the thing. Mike Williams is the type of player that we know he's boomer bust, right? Like every week, even when healthy, he's boomer bust. So for those of you that started him this week and he didn't get you enough and you know he only got what one catch for 15 yards before he went out, the process of starting him was good because the thing is, is that if Mike Williams on the first play of the game catches a 75-yard touchdown, he paid off for you already. Like, that decision is a good decision. So the fact that – and then he goes out on the next play or he spontaneously combusts during his touchdown celebration. Like, it doesn't matter. He got you the 14 or 15 points. He pays off you starting him, and it's a quote-unquote good decision. But he goes out early in this game and he only gets one catch for 15 yards. He doesn't get that long touchdown completion, which that's what he's in there for. And therefore, it's a quote-unquote bad decision. I think starting him was a good process, but it wasn't a good result. And I'll take good process and bad result over bad process and good result because a good process is going to be more repeatable and is going to lead you to more success than, um, than the opposite. So it's unfortunate that it didn't work out, but it was still a good process to start him if you did. So if that's any comfort to anybody out there, I hope it is even though the performance wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, I, every league I had him in, I started him. It was one of those where I usually had DeAndre Carter as the the guy. If, if, if Williams wasn't starting, I still yeah. had a player going. Yeah, so. that's that's great. That's a Didn't good way play to play DeAndre it. Carter, like Mike Williams said. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess with this re-aggravation, does it, like, restart the timeline? Like, And it almost seemed like he beat the timeline a little bit. Like, he he didn't miss the full month. Like, we were expecting at the minimum. I think he only missed three weeks. Yeah. So was it, A, did he come back too soon? It seems like he should have. they should have so. waited another week, it, it seems like, from the Chargers' standpoint. And then, so. B, 
are we now saying a month again from this point before he's fully ready again to trust? Yeah, it's a good question. I think what ended up happening is what happens not infrequently. And I know we referenced the book, but we'll reference this again. The difference between when an injury is actually healed versus when it feels good enough for you to practice on, for you to walk on, that's different. That's a different time frame. So I think what ended up happening was it was felt good enough for him to practice on. It felt good enough for him to move around on. And then all it took was game conditions and him pushing it, you know, kind of past the practice point where you're not thinking about it as much. You're not necessarily protecting it. You're just out there doing your thing where somebody lands on it or whatever. And boom, now you have a re-injury. And I think that happens not infrequently, which is why the timetables that we lay out in the book and on the show are so important because they're a good baseline to know when somebody is coming back too soon. And our established timeline for high ankle sprains, four to five weeks, he comes back in three, decent chance he's not completely healed or at least not healed enough that it's going to be able to sustain and he lasted a quarter. So I think there definitely was that component of it. How much it sets him back is a really good question and it remains to be seen. I think a reasonable expectation is at least a couple of weeks, but it could be longer. And if he did more damage and the joint is now unstable, it's possible. I'm not saying this is the most likely scenario, but it is possible that he's looking at a situation like Cooper Cup and Michael Thomas, where now he might need surgery in order to repair this because it's just not going to come together without surgical intervention. It's not going to be stable enough for him to actually play on it. I don't know if that's the case, but it is possible. So that's kind of where we're at. I think reasonably expect him to be out for at least a couple of weeks and we kind of take it from there and, and hope for the best. So just a quick I still like I still wouldn't drop Mike Williams for Jamison Williams, for instance. I wouldn't transition from one injured yeah. Williams to another. No, I, I wouldn't do I would, that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Just to you know reference what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um and we do have a question here uh from I'm I think it's pronounced Fook. And if not, well then uh well sorry. <laughs> if uh, not, this is a family show and we can't pronounce it phonetically. <laughs> phonetically um should i do swift and Pittman for deandre hopkins in a redraft league Ooh, see that's spicy this seems like a question that was asked a couple weeks ago uh was it uh, it was it was dk metcalf and i can't remember the second piece but i know the rest of you weren't so high on that trade and i was i i i was like hell yes go after hopkins because I, I don't think that second piece was as good as Swift, although we've been talking about it, Swift, it, Swift, it, it really, you have to forget the first round Swift. That like That's not the reality of, and to be honest, like this is maybe a good way to move off of Swift is to get a player that maybe could equal close to first round production in terms of what Hopkins has been giving you. So I know Gator seems to like it. What do you, what do you two think? Gladys. Yeah, Gladys. What do you think? Um, should I do Pittman or Swift? I, I would do it. Um, I wouldn't worry about the hops. You can't, you can't worry about injuries that may potentially happen. Um, you're just going to limit yourself. And Pittman, you know, Jeff Saturday just wants to run that ball. Pittman was the second most targeted, but uh, you, you, he's not comparison to D hop. So yeah, do it, do it now. Smash that button. Um, yeah, he's been, uh, so, uh, just something Gators talk about Hopkins. He's been top 12 in three of the four weeks and has a, that's a buy in two weeks. Um, so, I mean, that is the one thing you trade for a player before their bye week. So, uh, although I think do the, have the, I don't think the Colts have had their bye week yet. Have they? 
I the think Colts, I think they're week 14. So that's you're still trading out a bye week anyway that's still upcoming in terms of Pittman. So like that almost evens itself out. Um I would also probably lean that way. Doc, what do you think? Well, you know me. I'm I'm the most conservative trader on the panel and I I like it. Um just because I think he's got the high uh, D Hop's got the highest upside and you you know you're if you're looking to win championships and he's out there like he's a no-brainer start no matter if he's healthy if he's active you start him like with Pittman and Swift you have to worry with Swift as we talked about you know plenty so we'll leave it there but there's other factors in play and with Pittman same thing like the offense has been up and down they got a new coach they're running the ball more things are different Matt Ryan's health is an issue you know are they just going to completely tank at some point like there's a lot of things that are in play other than just Pittman's play, which has been good, but it hasn't been great. Hopkins is a type of player. He can go out and get you 11 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns on any given week, hamstring or not. And that's what you want in the playoffs because that's what can put you over. So is so, he saying that he has a choice that he can, that he can switch and not trade Swift and trade Zeke instead? Is that what that yes, is? Yes, instead oh, trading no. Zeke and Pittman. No. Would we prefer to do that? You No. It, Swift is what you want to trade, not Zeke. It, so Jerry, I think everyone's saying that. Like Jamie's saying that with the, the headache of, of start-sit decisions with Swift. Yeah, uh, Gator saying Zeke, we think he gets more usage than Swift. Uh, Swift's usage is a problem. Although I do wonder with uh, Pollard there if Zeke's usage is less guaranteed. They're, I, always gonna they're, they're both good. You know, they're they're both, they're both like, good. I think if you could, yeah, I think if you could do either either. option, do it. I personally, I think I'd rather get rid of Zeke. Uh, yeah. I just think Swift. In fairness, be, though, you wanted to get rid of Zeke since like well, last year, and, and I also <laughs> love DeAndre Swift, but I think Swift can be a true difference maker as a pass catcher. Kenny, though, this year, Kenny, really? Well, like, I'm not <laughs> saying that to be. I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm just saying like we haven't seen. It's been two months. Like we like he has the potential to be a difference maker, but it just. It hasn't happened yet. So my question is, like, what's going to change and in the next on, couple of weeks where on Swift, becomes you're going to decide? On Swift, you're going to decide whether or not you're going to play him. You're going to put Zeke in every week, you see, regardless, not, if he's I'm, healthy, I'm, because Jerry Jones is not going to let him sit on the bench. And he's going to get mean, either yards or he's going to get the goal line carried. He's going to get the goal line carries. Pollard got the I two think, touchdowns I think with, with Zeke, you're still – I don't know. I think you're still – I think I would still go matchup to matchup. If I think the Lions had a better touchdown chance, I think mm. I'd still consider Swift like being able to score long touchdowns and like I, I, I view them the same. So I think if you can do either trade, do it. I'd prefer Did to you trade away you Zeke. View them but... the same? Swift and Zeke, you view the same. Is that what you just said? Well, they're yeah. both kind of are. I mean, I get it. Both I think RB2 I'd rank Pollard ahead of Zeke most weeks. Yeah, so they're, they're I, I, I still view them as the, I view both of them as the RB two on their teams. Yeah, but I think that Zeke is going to average more fantasy points for you than than Swift will. I'm not, and I'm not convinced that. I think Swift could do it on less touches, can equal what Zeke's going to do. Zeke will. That's the difference. <laughs> I don't think we know I think that. That's <laughs> the point, though. It's like, are you ready to let go? And I get it. It's not. You're not wrong, Kyle. But I think the idea is like, are you ready to let go of the potential of Swift because it's like maybe it's just not going to happen this year? And it sounds like you're not, and that's valid because something could happen and it could all click. But my, I guess the thing that we're saying is like we've been waiting for that for a month and it it by all intents and purposes it should have if it was going to happen like why isn't it happening and if it isn't happening now then what's going to change where it is going to happen over the next month or so 
And with Zeke, Zeke is Zeke. Like Zeke is an RB2. You put him out there, he's got a torn PCL, he's got a torn MCL, he's got Tony Pollard there, he's got all these weapons on offense that are taking the ball away from him. He still finds a way to get 50 yards and a touchdown or catches the ball a few times and gets his points somehow, some way. It's going to be ugly. We don't know how he's going to do it, but he does it. And it's, you know, getting points ugly. With Swift, it looks a lot better, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I don't know what the answer is. I think both cases are valid, but I think that's the argument. Uh, so I did want to touch on the Broncos real quick because uh, some news yeah. with their backfield. So we got we talked about ankle injury with Mike Williams. Uh, we got a couple ankle injuries with the Broncos. One is just suffered this week, Chase Edmonds. We also could talk about Jerry Judy and his, I, guess, I suppose, imminent return or expected return uh, shortly for the Broncos. But, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon released, Chase Edmonds uh, injured. It looks like Latavius Murray has the backfield all to himself. Yeah, pretty much. So we we kind of know the story with this. I know you guys know the story. It's a high ankle sprain for Chase Edmonds. So we've been talking about it this show. We've talked about it all year. Like, we know the deal. High ankle sprains, like, you don't come back from that quickly. Four to five week timeline, like, that's a reasonable estimate. Now, Melvin Gordon is out. Uh, Mike Boone is still on IR with his own ankle injury. So he's not back until week 13, the earliest. And Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack are kind of the last men standing there. And um, Latavius Murray looked pretty decent. 17 carries, 41 yards, a touchdown, and four catches on four targets for 23 yards. Like, I'll take that at this point. Um, so, you know, it's not sexy. He was on the Saints practice squad two months ago, and here he is. He's he's a starting running back and probably, an, uh, you know, an RB2, a mid-grade RB2 going forward. Yeah, uh, yeah, mid-RB2, I think that's – I think I – like last week I would have had Gordon – right around there, RB, right around RB24. So just kind of replace what your expectations were for Gordon. And maybe, you know, it's probably better than anything Gordon's had all year because he, he had to like always split with Javante Williams. Like this is the first time all season that a Broncos running backs really had the backfield to themselves. So maybe, maybe even, even uh back end RB2 is, is a uh, seller a little short. Like I guess Murray doesn't necessarily have a ton of upside in terms of, uh, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll get you. It'll be volume based. It's kind of like Najee Harris. It'll all be volume based. He's, he's very, very Zeke esque. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to look good. But then you close your eyes. You don't watch the game. And then you look and he's like, oh, I got 17 points. OK, I can work with that. I think uh, Gator's referencing our, our speak on it. Dynasty League talking about me not trading him Swift. But then I did end up trading him Chase Edmonds. Not for a first. He didn't, he didn't give me a first for Chase Edmonds. But uh, but yeah, I guess, Doc, we can let you uh, kind of rapid fire the rest of the injuries. Or I guess, yeah, um, did you, did we touch on Jerry Judy? We uh, didn't. Um, I can uh, And then you can, can transition from there to the mix and rapid yeah, we'll file it if you want. Go through it, yeah. So the one guy we didn't talk about that's a big one is Joe Mixon. Um, so he, uh, for the people that had uh, Samaje Pirine uh, stashed on their rosters, he was, uh, he was gracious enough to get a concussion and um, go into the concussion protocol. So given the way the thing's been working, there's a high probability he misses week 12, um, the way that the NFL has been treating concussions this year as opposed to years past and the post-Tua gate concussion era. Um, so he'll be in the protocol. We'll see, but not optimistic that he's going to be able to play week 12, which leaves Samaje Ryan as the lead back. And he went for a 11, uh, 11 rushes, 30 yards, four catches for 52 yards, and three touchdowns. So he came up big in relief and could do so again. If Mixon misses uh, Leonard Fournette, the forgotten man after the bye week, still dealing with that hip pointer. Um, but there is expectation he's going to play week 12. And I think it's reasonable to expect him to be out there. 
Um, just do your due diligence and make sure Rashad White isn't just hanging out there on waivers. If uh, somebody else or you didn't pick him up last week, uh, Khalil Herbert, hip injury out until week 15 uh, at the earliest. So who even knows what the landscape looks like or if he's even able to make it back by then. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. This could be the cherry on what has been a most unsatisfying pie uh, for CEH this year. So high ankle sprain out four to five weeks. Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco have looked pretty good in his absence and it's kind of their backfield and there may not be room for him when he comes back. If he comes back, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, we talked about with his grade two MCL injury. Um, so he missed three weeks total with a partially torn ligament in his knee. Um, came back and went 15, uh, rushes for 42 yards and two touchdowns, one catch for five yards, still increased risk of re-injury with Zeke. But the one thing I have to say about Zeke is, and we talked about it a little bit, it's like, this guy is a warrior. I mean, he played two thirds of the year last year um, with a torn knee ligament and he's got a torn knee ligament this year. He misses three weeks and he's still an RB two. And last year he was an RB one. So, I mean, he's still getting production despite, you know, these significant injuries that would knock players out for a lot longer. Um, so just running back wise guys that you want to look at going into the playoffs to consider if the guy in front of them gets injured, could these guys potentially be out there to pick up? We talked about P Ryan last week and that came through. Brandon Bolden for the Raiders. If something happens to Jacobs, Alexander Madison, Justin Jackson, the unsung hero, of the Detroit backfield, he might get a lot bigger bump in carries if something happens to Jamal Williams and not DeAndre Swift. Keontae Ingram and Daryl Williams in Arizona now that Eno Benjamin has moved on and still Eno Benjamin because now he's in Houston in case something <laughs> happens to Damian Pierce. Um, so just remember, back up and handcuff your studs. Fresh legs for even a week or two can win you championships. Jamison Williams we talked about. Condolences to the B League on this wide receiver, Wandale Robinson, ACL tear, short story. He's done for the rest of 2022. Estimated return after surgery if all goes well, late August, early September. It could be one of those things where he starts on the pop or he starts slow, but my expectation is he'll be back fine in 2023, barring any unforeseen issues. He pulled a Kadarius um, Tony right after his breakout performance got hurt. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, really, really talented player, and has, you know has been looking really good. It's kind of been up and down for him, but this is the end of his 2022, unfortunately. Juju Smith-Schuster with a concussion. He's in the protocol. He missed week 11. It's week to week now, so we just got to see how he progresses. No guarantees for week 12. Kadarius Tony, we talked about Jerry Judy, ankle injury, missed week 11. This one's a little atypical because the location is in the back of the ankle, not on the sides like you normally have with a, right, with a typical ankle week, yeah. injury. So really all bets are off with this. Let's just see if he can practice. The Broncos are getting really thin at wide receiver. Hamler's out for weeks with his own hamstring injury, maybe a partial tear. Kendall Hinton is their number two. He's got a shoulder injury, but he did okay. Three catches for 57 yards. And that leaves, uh, what is it, Virgil and Montel. What's the guy's name? It's something for Jay Virgil. Jay, and Montrell. Is it Jalen Virgil? Jalen Virgil and Montrell Washington for the truly desperate. I expect Sutton. Hinton and Dolchich, as well as whatever running backs are left to dominate the targets going forward for the time being, for whatever it's worth. Russell Gage is not dead yet. Um, he missed three weeks to this point, and with the bye, with his hamstring injury, he's back at practice today, so that's a good uh, good sign. Watch practice reports, be on the lookout for updates. Almost certainly he's behind Julio Jones if and when he does come back, but Julio Jones is not known for his durability at this point, so he still could have some value coming down the stretch if somebody else were to get hurt. Corey but don't Davis. start Gage. I think you have to. Don't you'd have no, to see. But like, he might not. You know, you got an open spot on your bench, and he's out yeah. there. He's worth a pickup. 
Um, Corey Davis, MCL sprain, missed four weeks so far. There's confidence he's going to be available for this week. The timetable bears that out, so let's just watch practice reports and see if they can do that. Zach Wilson hasn't looked great. The Jets offense uh, hasn't looked great, but that's something. Coming to the home stretch, Jamar Chase touching back with his hip. Um, looks like he's off crutches now, which is great. Maybe he can practice this week, which puts week 12 as a possibility, but I'm still thinking week 13 or 14 is more realistic. If he does play week 12, higher risk for re-injury, and this could still easily go from bad to worse. Um, just got to watch practice reports on that and make your own decisions based on what else you have. If you're going to start him, if he does play, um, I think he's one of those guys. He would be hard to bench, but if you have better options, at least for a week, maybe you can get away with it, depending on your team situation and your lineup situation. Um, and then tight end, uh, the Kyle Pitts experiment ends most likely again uh, with disappointment. So MCL injury, he's on IR officially, and he may require surgery suggesting either a high-grade tear or meniscal involvement. Um, and surgery could knock him out for four to six weeks or maybe the year. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that. But I think maybe a little bit of silver lining here is he's one of those guys like DeAndre Swift where you really have a lot of questions like, do I start him this week? Do I not start him? At least now the decision is taken out of your hands and you can get somebody else in there because he's been disappointing all year, unfortunately. So now at least you get the chance to play somebody else and not have them blow up on your bench because you started Kyle Pitts. And let's see, checking in on Zach Ertz out for the year with an ACL. Gerald Everett missed week 11. Donald Parham's on IR, so back week 13, the earliest. Trey McKitty and any, all the other tight ends on the Chargers really did nothing in his absence, so I think it's either Everett or Bust. And Wait, no, Dallas Goddard. No. Dallas, Dallas Goddard. Goddard. Oh, right. Good one. No, we didn't touch on Dallas Goddard. Okay. So Dallas Goddard, shoulder injury. Not season ending at this point, uh, although we still have to, you know, we have to see. So it's week to week. Expectations are it's going to be three to four weeks. Um, maybe it's a, you know, it's an AC joint or something like that. Um, so it could be something similar to DeAndre Swift. He could still limit him even when he comes back. Doesn't look like any of the Eagles tight ends did much in his absence, but it's only been one week and they had kind of a tough, tough go against uh, uh, against the Colts this week. So still remains to be seen there. Um, and let's see. Scene. And I guess the last thing to touch on as we get to the Monday night game is just the the, the players uh, on Monday night. And actually, a question just came up from Liam that uh, that touches on that. But I uh, did want to quickly uh, return to uh, this question here because Gladys, you mentioned it when, when talked about it. Um, we were talking about the trade, but then the second part of it, you know, the concern about Hop Hopkins injury. And you were saying like, you know, you, every player could be a little banged up and you shouldn't be worried about them. And I think especially since Hopkins is playing, like this is not an injury that has kept him out of time, out of any, you know, maybe out of a practice here or there, but he, you know, he played last week. Seems like he played most of the game. He's going to play this week. So especially don't be concerned with the injuries if they're not missing time. So we know Hopkins will play tonight. I view him as, you know, in my rankings this week, I think he was a top five wide receiver, even with the questionable tag. I think he was wide receiver four even. So does he um, think that Hopkins was out because of the injury? He, he knows that Hopkins uh, I, without because of the, the I think maybe is this injury substance. something that he could react he could aggravate it and could get worse as the season goes on, maybe okay. more than anything. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, PN, don't worry about it. Uh, but today, yeah. Buddy. yeah, so uh yeah, so yeah, just that I guess that's the, the to touch on Hopkins. And then there's two players that aren't playing tonight for the Cardinals. I mean, Zach Ertz, but he's out for the season, but like two players that we expect to see at some point. Uh, and Liam is asking about Marquise Brown and he is one of them. So what, what are your thoughts doc on Marquise Brown the rest of the season? 
Yeah, real quick. So, um, you know, foot injury, x-rays are negative, and yet he's out for six to eight weeks. So what are we worried about there? Um, foot Liz Frank? Yes. Hi, hi. We're worried about a, a non-surgical Liz Frank. So non-surgical Liz Frank could be six to eight weeks. We're kind of getting to that point. Um, but the thing is, is that same thing with Kyler Murray. Like, they're talking about he's not going to play this week. Maybe he plays next week, but they got the bye week 13. And that would put him at about seven weeks recovery if he was out through the bye. So I don't know if they're going to bring him back in the short term. You know, if they do, it, it's kind of something like we're seeing with Najee Harris. Like he could be out there. I don't think he's going to be at his full production, but that could still be pretty good. Um, and it's going to be something that if he's playing, you're going to want to give him a shot. If you have the luxury of waiting a week to see how he looks and can he make it through the game unscathed once he gets out there and he really ramps it up and really pushes it, that would probably be the the most conservative and best approach. But I acknowledge that some teams may not have that luxury. And it's like, I got to win this week. I need to play the upside. And if it doesn't work, I wasn't going to win anyway. Then get him out there. If you have the luxury to wait a week and just see if he can get out there and can do normal Marquise Brown things, then that would be the way that I would play it. But keep in mind that he might not be back until week 14 um, and, and kind of go from there. Which I guess you already did touch on. Kyler Murray talked about that hamstring injury earlier and the, yeah. the potential of him even missing next week. So Yeah, they got uh, a week with, 13 bye, so he could be out week 12. They hold him out through the bye, and then they bring him back. So with Murray out, the Cardinals at home, I guess they're technically it's a home game, but I mean, they're in Mexico City, I'm pretty sure, right? So yeah. uh, they are eight-point underdogs against their division rival 49ers, and the higher-lower projection from underdog is 43 points for the game. And, uh, uh, you know, check out underdog, uh, fantasy football, um, prop bets, DFS, all sorts of great contests available on underdog. And if you join and sign up, and use the promo code GF2, capital G, capital F, the number two, you can get a 100% deposit match up to $100. So uh, using the promo code GF2, if you put in $100, they'll give you an extra $100 to bet with. And if you do it, I mean, within the next uh, five, 10 minutes, you could even maybe get uh, put some bets on tonight's game. But That's uh, two points lower, too, you guys. So if you guys are betting, um, if you go to BetMGM, it's minus 10 right now. Ooh. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder, is, is that temptation enough to push some people? Because, uh, um, you know, we'll talk about our picks here for, for not just the game, but we'll talk about prop picks as well after. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I know the uh, – Doc, if you want to start, uh, Dan's not here either, and you and Dan had the same picks, uh, going with the 49ers as, as eight-point favorites, and then uh, both you went lower as well on the, on the uh, 43 for the uh, game total. So uh, yeah. you can share your thoughts there. If you'd like, okay. For both uh, I, I really just, uh, I, I think I went against the 49ers defense once or twice um, this year with Monday. Well, at least once with Monday night football and it didn't go well for me. So they're really a force. They're really a defensive force. And with Kyler Murray, that might've changed the, the calculus a little bit, but with Colt McCoy potentially dealing with his own injury and just how really good the 49ers defense has been. This is really a bet on the 49ers defense of being able to kind of control the game, uh, you know, keep things under control, keep the score low and just not allow Arizona to score much at all. Um, and, and so that's how I got the lower and that's how I got uh, the 49ers, um, you know, giving the eight points to the, uh, to the Cardinals and, and still coming out on top. Hey doc, is Matt Prater injured? No, he's not right. The 
Arizona. I think he's he's playing, but I think he's dealing with like, it's like a hip or a, or a hamstring or something. I, would I believe this is his first game back, right? Because he's missed about a month, if I'm right. not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, he had a hip injury uh, for a few weeks. They kept him out for a couple of weeks, and then he kind of was like half in, half out. Um, but it looks like he's back to full capacity. Um, so he's the kicker. Because they're in altitude. So they're in altitude higher than Denver. So kicker props, J, Gator under slash J, look at your kicker props. Ball's mm. going to be sailing. Ball's going to be sailing. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that's enough to keep the game within 10 points. Oh, but it's eight here. Yeah, and uh, just knowing that you're saying, like, on other sites it's 10, that makes me a little less tempted to make this pick. But I did look it up, and in the Cliff Kingsbury era, uh, only – once in the last six meetings has have the 49ers been able to cover an eight point spread against uh, the Cardinals. So even when they mm, beat them, it's yeah. usually by the division game tough too. I did think about that. I, I just, yeah, I, I first saw the spread and I thought, Oh, that, it, that does seem pretty big. And so, and then looking at that research, it kind of just confirmed my instinct. So I'm going to trust my instinct and actually I'm taking the Cardinals as okay. eight point underdogs. Uh, if I had to pick an outright winner, I probably would pick the 49ers, but I think it's going to be closer than uh a touchdown and a two-point conversion away. So I think the Cardinals keep it close enough. And as a result, I'm also going with the higher. Thinking that the 49ers aren't going to completely crush them and it's going to be a close enough game, keep the scoring going uh, both sides. I don't think Colt McCoy is a complete zero. And uh, as long yeah. as, uh, you know, quick throwing, get the ball out to the playmakers, might actually benefit to a certain extent as opposed to Murray against the pass rush when he likes to extend plays. Yeah, he can be mobile and, and get out, but he may also susceptible to getting hurt i wonder if they have a different game plan just to get the ball quickly out of mccoy's hands and that helps shorten the game as well so uh yeah i think 43 was low enough for me to go higher then i I, it would not surprise me completely to see this game not only be close but to shoot out there have been historically in the last few years with this division there are games where it's like neither team looks particularly great coming in offensively or whatever and then they just are trading haymakers for the entire game. So I really, I, I actually like that. I, I think uh, it's got a, it's got a decent chance of happening too. So, you know, if it doesn't go one way, it can go the other, but this division is really tough. And and these games usually do not go the way that we think they will. So Gladys, what are you thinking for this game? Uh, sorry. Trying to put my bets in. Um, uh, get them yeah. in Gladys, get them in. I'm going to go. The. I'm giving the points to Arizona, and I'm going to go higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel good about that. Okay, so you're, you're – you're t- yeah, so okay, so it's funny. We're, we're going half and half. The 49ers and lower uh, for Doc and Dan, and then Gladys and I are both going Cardinals and higher. Interesting. <laughs> I do think it, it makes sense if you're taking the underdog to, to uh, keep it close to probably go higher, thinking mm-hmm. that it'll be – I guess the theory behind that is if they keep it close enough, they're scoring enough points, but it could also be that they're, they keep it close enough because neither team's scoring enough points. I suppose it could work either way, but that's what you want. Gladys, you want Arizona getting the eight. Yes. Arizona okay. getting the eight. And yeah, I think the altitude, I think under McCoy passing. Gator. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gator asking about uh, McCoy at 200, 220 and a half. Uh, passing oh. yards, so we're going under there, but that's not our props for any of us. So it's funny we we have two players for our props: Jimmy Garoppolo and and uh, George Kittle. So Gladys, do you want to kick us off with Kittle? I didn't have Kittle. Oh no, that you didn't take Kittle. I took Kittle. 
Yeah, should I kick, kick us off? off? Yeah, I think you should kick us off with Kittle. Okay, well, Dan took uh, Kittle at four uh, receptions higher. I'm going Kittle actually on the yards, 45.5 receiving yards higher. And my thinking was Kittle's not ever really been a volume-based tight end. It's been efficiency, yardage efficiency. He can get so many yards per reception a lot higher than other uh, tight ends. And the Cardinals have been really bad at defending Stuck tight ends. Tight ends yeah. So that's why I initially like – went to like gravitated towards Kittle initially. And I saw Dan went with the receptions, but my thinking initially was, okay, what are his yards going to be? And then when, when uh, Gladys shared the information and showed the yards was under 50 at 45 and a half, I thought that was low enough for me to, to go higher. So we're going Kittle there. Uh, yeah. And you both went with Garoppolo props. Gladys, you could go? Yeah. Oh, I won in, uh, over one and a half rushing yards. Oh, Love that's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Garoppolo is not exactly the most fleet of foot, but I like those. I like those low props where it's like they just gotta fall forward, you know, once. I guess the only fear with that is, does he kneel down and take away some of those rush yards? No, because it's gonna be a close game. Yeah, yeah, and you're taking the Cardinals, so it all correlates. So good job. That's how you correlate your bets, people. (laughs) Yeah, and for me with uh, Garoppolo, I went with uh, 31.5 passing attempts. Loa. Um, so I, I just think they've got Christian McCaffrey, they've got Eli Mitchell. Um, if they're able to, if the defense is able to control the game, like I think they can, then it's just going to be a very kind of ball control run heavy offense. And, um, Jimmy G doesn't end up passing the ball that much. And, um, that's what happens. So we'll see. Which again, correlate your bets. If you are picking the 49ers to win and win by more than eight points, you figure they're they're going to be up by a lot, not be throwing a lot. So again, correlate your bets, folks. That that does make sense. Yeah, I guess maybe that's the reason no. why Doc's been my, leading our my my bets making sense is not a prerequisite, but it worked out. It worked out this week. CMC <laughs> uh, touchdown. Yes. Yeah. Why not? Uh, looking at anytime, all the underdogs. Anytime touchdown. Yeah, if you could, yeah, if it, I've noticed that it was just half a touchdown for McCaffrey, which I thought that was appealing. That was probably the most appealing of the McCaffrey props I, I saw because his, his yardage is all pretty high. Like it was like, what I think his rushing receiving yardage is at like 107 yards. So they're, they're definitely giving you a lot of production for him. Um, but yeah, the touchdown seemed like that's the, that's the one that he could easily attain no matter how. Plus, didn't CMC grow up in Denver? So he's used to altitude. Yeah, well, his his dad, uh, Easy Easy Ed, played a bunch of years in Denver. So uh, his dad yeah, just lost he... his job. Did he? Yeah, they fired him from North Dakota State or wherever he was coaching. Uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Some well, people I guess just, some people are never easy. appreciated in their in their own lifetime. <laughs> he was six and sixteen. <laughs> well, luckily I got Colt McCoy in that one lineup just before Every, game. Everyone with the critic, you know. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, well, it's funny because we can we can uh, laugh we want and, and uh, but we're all looking up at Doc in the standings right now. Um, Twenty one nine and three so far this year on on the, the prop what were your lines. three misses? Oh, uh, no, three those ties. ties. Those are BS ties where uh, <laughs> Discord Dan changed the prop. For, he took the hook off of it, <laughs> and I would have had it if he didn't change it. But it didn't work out that way. It wasn't meant to be. Damn Australians. Uh, anyway, uh, Dan is actually closing in on Doc. He went three he for had three a last, week. last week. So uh, the first time Dan had done that all year, and we've had we've had uh, three instances of going three for three over the last two weeks. So props <laughs> to everyone that's done that. Gator uh, didn't yeah. get his prop check. Gator didn't get his props in. Sorry, oh. Gator. 
Mm, says the game is kicked off and it hasn't. It no, has they, now. Gator, they just they don't want you to they don't want you to break underdog tonight. <laughs> so uh but yeah, uh so kudos to Dan. He's 19, 11, and three. So Dan's actually Ooh. only two uh right picks behind Doc. So yeah, closing right. in at the top, to be honest. He's getting there. It's almost like he does a show where he does this stuff for like half an hour straight on Fridays on the Going for Two Network. Friday evenings going for two Discord oh, Dan doing his underdog prop show, almost like that. Oh my yes. god. Okay, it's raining too. It's they're not only at altitude, it's raining now. I may have to change my bet. Too late. Yeah, it's 815. It's 817, actually. We we should already been off the air. So we're gonna get out of here. Um but uh yeah, appreciate everyone who's been in the chats. Um, I guess uh, Liam left a comment here is Zeke touchdown dependent back. And yeah, I guess he might have missed that, but that's kind of what I've kind of come to view Zeke as he's the a backup running back on his own team that's very touchdown dependent. Has I looked it up, he has seven receptions this year. Yeah, that's awful. It's not usually, really part of his game anymore. And that's usually been a, a staple of his game. Like he had seasons where he was catching yeah. 70 balls at that time. So that's that's I think why I'd rather go Swift than Zeke the rest of the season. Well, you are as, always whatever, you are always the optimist when it comes to <laughs> DeAndre Kyle. Swift. So I can't Swift, fault you for that. Swift, Swift's tripling up his receptions. I mean, it's not a huge total for Swift, but I mean, if if Zeke's going to be basically a complete zero in the passing game, I'd I'd rather because I I almost feel like he's touched. They're both touchdown dependent, but one. I just just want to reflect to you that Zeke, Zeke is, is playing on a torn knee ligament, and he, <laughs> he doubled the number of touches that DeAndre Swift had this past week. So True, he is getting not, a lot of carries. He's not calling DeAndre Swift a pussy or anything, but if he were, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying there's things working against him, and we're not I seeing. It was a compliment. It. We're not. Oh, we're okay. not seeing the touches, and Zeke's getting the touches, so even wrong. if he's the second running back. He's, he's still getting volume, and yeah. volume is king. The, the Swift Zeke argument will persist forever on this podcast. Will, we can go on. Will. Zeke will be retired for five years, and we'll still be arguing about. I what could if. hang. I could hang up the hat finally, and, and not wear a hat on on the stream. Just want to show off the new haircut. Thanks to Pat. Oh, to very nice. Very Gator, nice. They, you were too. What is that? What is that quote from um, Groundhog? No, Bill Murray. They Ghostbusters. Didn't want is it Ghostbusters? They didn't want him in because he was too good. That's why Underdog didn't let him. That's I was I thinking said. it was. I was. Oh, I was actually thinking of Caddyshack. Oh, this this grass is so is good. You play a round of eighteen on it, and then you smoke it right after. It's perfect. Best <laughs> grass ever. Uh, whatever. Whatever that was. Oh, that reminds me. Are Buckeyes marijuana leaves? Why do they look like marijuana leaves? Like I was watching the Ohio State game. I, don't, don't I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about, Gladys. <laughs> what? Is, is not, this because yeah. you live in Colorado? Is do you see everything no, is like marijuana? It's because I was. <laughs> What, what is a the Buckeyes anyway? on there? I don't. That's what I'm asking. The Buckeyes on their helmets look like marijuana leaves. I think Buckeyes are marijuana leaves. <laughs> is that not a thing? Okay, I, whatever. I don't know. We don't All pay right, enough Sam, attention to I've college. I've never even Sorry, been Gladys, to Ohio, to Gladys. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Arizona went three and out like quick. Like it wasn't even. No. Yeah, San Fran's defense is legit. All right, Just well, in case and CMC just ran for like five five yards. Ooh, five yards. All right, there you go. All right, well, it's all over. Uh, but yes, uh, appreciate Doc Gladys for joining me once again. Hopefully we get Dan back next week. But uh, as Doc mentioned, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like the videos and comment uh, if you're watching uh, after the fact and not live. I do appreciate the comments uh, as well uh, in there. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully be back next week. Uh, check out everything on the Going for Two Live Network. <laughs> Speak on it and fantasy cheat sheet tomorrow, I believe. I know this week a little 
different scheduling with programming. I believe uh, Jeff, the, instead of doing their DFS show Friday, they're just going to do it Wednesday. So yeah. no DFS show Friday. So I think Dan is the only show in town on Friday uh, with his uh, his B-League pick'ems. So hopefully get to see Dan back for that and back next week here on the two-point conversion Monday night pregame show. Bye, Happy. Gladys. Bye, Doc. Bye, guys. Watching, guys. Bye. George Kettle just missed his first pass. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> those those would have been nice yards for the receiving prop. <laughs>